0: This week, we're starting a series called Stronger. And sometimes we find ourselves in the ring, in the boxing ring, and we're not ready. And we think to ourselves, I know that my faith needs to be stronger. I know that my faith needs to be prepared to fight the battle in front of me, but we don't know how to get strong enough to succeed in the battle. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks. And you're so lucky you get two sermons in one today, because I want to talk to you a little bit about what a spiritual battle means, and then I want to give you the first tool that we can use to strengthen our faith. So we're going to start this morning in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 through 12. Paul writes, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. We talk a lot about kind of our personal journeys of faith and kind of our personal process of what, uh, what our relationship with God looks like. But we can neglect the fact that there is a very real spiritual battle going on around us. And so I want to start today by giving you three rules of engagement as we start talking about what it looks like to have a fight-ready faith. The first thing we have to understand is that there is a real spiritual world. There is a spiritual world around us. We have in our world, we have a physical world that we can touch, that we can use our physical senses to experience. But there's also a spiritual world that only our spirits can sense. And we know this is true because sometimes in worship or sometimes in our prayer times, we sense the presence of God. And there's a shift in the atmosphere from what it was before we started to worship or before we started to pray. There are times, there are certain people's homes I have gone to, and when I went into their home, I felt a sense of peace in their home because the home had been bathed in prayer. Because the people in the home pursued a relationship with God, and I could feel something spiritual in the atmosphere. There's a real spiritual world around us. Sometimes we sense the presence of God... And some people with the gift of prophecy, three weeks ago we talked about the ministry gift of prophecy, and some people who have a call on their life, um, a prophetic calling, they have a heightened sense of awareness of the spiritual world. They can sense when something is shifting in the spiritual atmosphere, Um, and just as the presence of God is real in the world, the presence of evil is real in the world, Now, some of you are from cultural backgrounds and from places where everybody's aware that the presence of evil exists in the world. Some of us from the Western world, we kind of start to think like, oh, that's over-spiritualizing things. Like, oh, the presence of evil, that sounds fundamentalist and conservative. And we start to lose our sense of spirituality sometimes. But Paul makes it very clear to us in verse 12... He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That sounds sounds a little bit scary, if you've never heard of it before. But what you need to know is that currently, we are in the physical world with our physical senses. But there's a spiritual world around us, and we need to understand that when we start talking about a fight-ready faith. The second rule that we need to understand is that the devil does not fight fair. The enemy does not fight fair. This week, um, on Wednesday, I think, I was at the gym doing my workout, and there was a boxing match on TV. And I was like yes. And I went and I grabbed my phone and I was watching the boxing match and I was like writing down all these sermon illustrations. And, uh, and at one point the one guy just clocked the other guy in the head. And I was like, that doesn't seem very fair. I like things to be fair. Um, I, I hate watching sports because I just want both teams to win. You know, I don't know if any of you are like that. Um, in fact, when France won the world cup, Last summer, I was watching it with my dad. He was in town. And I was like, oh, the French are winning. And then it showed these, like, crying guys. I don't remember where they were from. I don't really care where they were from. But they're crying. And I was like, oh, we won. Oh, but look at him. He's, oh, look, his mom is crying in the stands, you know. I want everything to be fair. But the truth is, the devil does not fight fair. If you think there's any area of your life that the enemy is not going to come after, you are mistaken, My friend. I'm reading the Bible in a year, this year, and I just finished the book of Job. And in the book of Job, Satan came after Job's family, his income, and his health. I mean, what else is there, right? You'd think that there would be something that would be too far. But there's no such thing as too far for the enemy of your soul. There's no such thing as too far. He's not going to fight fair. He's going to hit us where it hurts the most or where our biggest vulnerability lies. Sometimes when we have things happen in our lives, when we suffer, when things go wrong, we can fall into the trap of thinking, man, if I had only been closer to God, if I had just worked harder to be a good Christian, if I just hadn't had sin in my life, then what happened to me wouldn't have happened. But the truth of the matter is, no matter how good a Christian you are, the enemy's going to come after you. And he doesn't fight fair. Stuff is going to happen to us whether or not we are strong spiritually. The difference lies in our ability to get back up after the enemy tries to land a knockout punch. You're still going to get hit. He's still going to come after you, and he's not going to fight fair. But when we're strong, we have the ability to keep getting back up. When we're spiritually strong, it doesn't mean that we won't suffer. Some of you have received some bad theology in the past. And when you suffered, there was someone in your life who said to you things like what Job's friends said. Like, oh, well, God is probably punishing you for that thing you did. Or God is is trying to get your attention. And you sit there and you think, man... What is it going to take for me to get some compassion? You know, there's always going to be suffering in life. But when you're strong spiritually, it means that everything the enemy tries to throw at you will only make you stronger. In John chapter 10, verse 10, John records the words of Jesus. And Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The enemy of your soul is out to destroy your life. He'll have you thinking that you're friends. He's not friends with you. He hates you. He wants to steal and kill and destroy everything about you. He wants to destroy your life. And so the third rule of engagement is that we have to keep our hands up. We have to keep our hands up. The first rule of boxing, and I know this from Rocky and Million Dollar Baby, The first rule of boxing is that you have to keep your hands up. You have to guard your face. You have to guard your head. Because if you drop your hands, it's going to be really easy for someone to land a knockout punch on the side of your head. As soon as you drop your hands, you leave yourself totally vulnerable to be taken out. Don't fool yourself into believing that the knockout punch isn't coming. Don't fool yourself into believing that the enemy is not trying to deliver a knockout punch. Jesus continually told his disciples to watch out. Jesus told his disciples, he said, watch out for false teachers. Watch that no one deceives you. Watch for temptation. Jesus said, don't put your hands down. Don't put your gloves down. Because someone's looking to take you out. I found a diagram of how to have a good boxing stance. So if any of you are wanting to get into boxing, this is what you have to do. But you have to keep your hands up. Because the truth is that the stronger we get spiritually, the more dangerous we get to the darkness. The more dangerous we get to the darkness. Look, if the enemy is not coming after you, it's because he's not scared of you. Once you start to grow spiritually, once you start to grow in your relationship with God, you become more and more dangerous to the darkness. And the enemy is going to want to take you out. Some of the people that I know that have an that have incredible potential for the kingdom of God, when they start telling their life story, you can see that over the course of their life, the enemy has been trying has been trying to sway them, has been trying to pull them out of the game. Because I think the enemy knows who is dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. So the more dangerous you are, the harder the enemy is going to try to take you out. Sometimes we think that if we've been walking with God for a long time, or if we've had some spiritual success, that we're not susceptible to the enemy anymore. I want to tell you that you have to be careful. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with the Lord. It doesn't matter how much you've done for the kingdom. You are always susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. We have to protect ourselves. We see so many stories of people who served the Lord for decades, and they were ministers, and they they had incredible churches and incredible ministries, and they get taken out by sin in their lives. It's because they let their guard down. We have to keep our hands up. The truth is that the devil is cruel but he's not creative. The devil is cruel, but he's not creative. God is the creator. God is creative. Like Joshua said this morning, watching a documentary about space, and he's like, man, God is creative. The devil can't create. All he can do is distort and warp God's creation. Amen. That's the power that he has. He doesn't have the power to create. He keeps going for the same places Over and over. Because he's not creative. He goes for the same places in your life that he went for 20 years ago. 30 years ago. If you watch the Rocky movies, you learn. (laughs) You learn that once, once a rib is broken... Or once there's been a good punch to the kidney, what does the opponent do? He keeps going for the same place over and over. Dig it into the ribs. Dig it into the kidney. Because if you hit the same place over and over, you have a better chance of taking them out. That's what the enemy does in my life. It's so predictable. Somehow I always forget. But it's so predictable what the enemy is going to do in my life. Because he's not creative enough to think of a new way to attack me. He goes for the same old thing every time and he gets in there where your rib is broken. He gets in there where he's landed a punch before and he digs it in and digs it in. He's not creative. He goes for the same place of insecurity. He goes for the same place of addiction. He goes for the same failure, for the same shame and the same sin issues. And right when I think I'm strongest and I can let my guard down, that's when the enemy comes back in digging into those old places again. So Paul says, be ready, be ready, because evil is coming your way, and you have to be able to stand against it. I want to let you know today that if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the capacity to stand against evil. You have the capacity to push back the darkness. You have the, capa- you have the power of Jesus inside of you. But sometimes as believers, we forget that we're in a battle, And we start to think of ourselves as weak, and we start to accept the self-identity of being weak Christians. Jesus didn't save you so that you could be weak. Jesus saved you so that you could come alive and be strong. So in this series, we're going to be talking about a few things that make us strong spiritually. And we have to understand that a spiritual battle requires spiritual resources. And the one I want to share with you today... Is that the first resource we have, the first resource we have to stand our ground is how well fed we are. And the way to be well fed is to be hungry. And look we're hyper aware of physical hunger. I know you guys. Okay. And I already know that you're like, okay, well I'm out of here at 1 1215 Like I got to be the first one out cause I'm getting one of those croissants. And I know those vultures are going to come in with their children eating all the croissants. And I know you're already hungry. I come in here at 9 o'clock in the morning to set up and all this. And half the time I look at Jeanette and I say, man, Jeanette, I'm already hungry. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. I got work to do. And I'm already hungry. We know when we want to eat. And we know when we're satisfied. So when we talk about spiritual hunger, we're talking about our need, our desire for the presence of God in our lives. Look, being well-fed is an important component of athletic training. Um, I follow a, a strength trainer named Mark Ripto. And I was listening to his podcast and someone wrote in a question and said, how come you haven't trained any young NFL athletes or any young NBA athletes? And he said, I don't like training young people because they won't eat. They can't get strong because they won't eat. He said they either want too badly to be thin or they won't do the work to prepare their food ahead of time. But he said they won't grow because they won't eat. They limit their strength because they refuse to eat. If any of you have ever run a marathon, you know about carb loading. This makes me want to get into marathons. You know, For a few days before the race, you have to eat pasta and bread and all of the delicious foods that I would love to eat every day. And the reason that runners do this is because they know that the race they're going to run is going to require all of the endurance that they can pack into their body. And so they think ahead and they have to eat a lot of carbs so that they'll have enough endurance to finish the race. Look, well, just like our bodies need to be well fed with the kind of nutrients that we can perform well under pressure, our spirits have to be well fed in order to be ready. Look, some of us have been trying to get in the ring spiritually, but we get in there and we find out that we're really weak and tired, and we don't have the strength to fight. But we can't expect to fight well when our spirits have been starved. If we're going to prepare for the enemy, we have to be well-fed. We have to be hungry. We have to be hungry if we're going to feed our spirit. We have to hunger for the Word of God. We have to hunger for the Word of God. Paul... Um, Paul lists in this section in Ephesians 6. He lists the armor of God. I would encourage you to read that. But the last element he lists is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All the other elements of the armor are defense. We have our breastplate of righteousness and our helmet of salvation. We have defense. But our offense is the Word of God. is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness... Satan threw scriptures at him. He said, oh, Jesus, well, the Bible says that if you throw yourself down, you won't strike your foot against a stone. And the reason Jesus was able to function under the pressure of temptation is because he knew the word of God. Every time Satan threw a scripture at him and misused it, Jesus came right back at him with the word of God. We have to know the word of God if we're going to be well fed and ready for the test that's coming our way. And I have to tell you that a Sunday morning is not enough to be well-fed, okay? If you eat a croissant on on Sunday afternoon, I can almost promise you that you're still going to eat dinner tonight and breakfast tomorrow and lunch tomorrow, maybe a little snack, dinner, maybe another snack after dinner. I'm not here to judge. You know, you can't eat food once a week and expect your body to be strong and to be ready for what comes your way. Sunday morning is not enough time for you to be well-fed spiritually. It's halfway through the year. We're in August now. And maybe in January, you set a goal for yourself. You said, I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to go at it. And then life happened and you've stopped. Don't wait until January to get back into that. You can go on the Bible app and find a Bible reading plan, but you have to be in the Word. If your soul is going to be nourished, if your spirit is going to be ready, you have to be in the Word. The second thing we have to do is we have to hunger for the voice of God. We have to hunger for the voice of God. We're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. And I'm just going to kind of paraphrase this. There was a prophet named Elijah... And Elijah stood up for God. He stood up for God against an evil ruler. And uh, Jezebel, who is the evil queen, sent a messenger and said, well, I'm going to kill you now because you've made me look like a fool. So Elijah ran for his life. And he, it says he went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush, a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed to die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And then an angel came to him and said, get up and eat. And when he woke up, there was bread there for him to eat. So he ate and then he went back to sleep again. And then he woke up again and there was food there again. And it says in verse eight, strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Look, when my spirit is starving, I can't hear what God needs to say to me. Elijah was in a place of desperation. He was in a place of spiritual starvation. And before God spoke to him, God fed him. He had to eat before he was ready to receive the word from God. I have to position myself to hear from God. I have to put myself into a posture of receiving. This means acknowledging my own weakness and where my strength comes from. In verses 9 through 13, after the Lord gave Elijah food, it says, The word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Look, Sometimes we want to receive the word that we need without pursuing the one who gives the word. When my spirit is hungry, I want to hear from God. But the word that God gives me, sometimes it comes straight from the Holy Spirit into my spirit. The Bible is the word of God, but our God is alive and he gives us a fresh word that we need every day. When I show up and I feed my spirit in the way that God is asking me to, sometimes I receive a life-changing word from him. But I'm not going to receive it if I don't show up. I have to keep showing up. Just like we have to be ready for the unexpected attack, we have to be ready for the unexpected word. If God wants to speak to me, am I posturing myself to receive a word from him? If I'm desperate for God to speak to me, am I giving him the opportunity to speak? Am I going into the cave that he draws me into? Am I eating the food that he provides for me? Am I nourished and ready to receive? A third thing we have to do to be well-fed is we have to start eating. We have to start somewhere. We have to start eating there, are, there have been studies done on um, victims of starvation. And as a defense mechanism, when you're experiencing starvation, your body shuts down your hunger signals. And we see this in people who have been through famines or through wars or people who have um, dealt with anorexia. After some time, starving people don't know they're starving. They're not even hungry anymore. And the truth is the same spiritually. If I ignore my hunger long enough, it gives up. And I don't even know how much I need to be fed. But you know how starving people are rehabilitated? They're given food. They're given small controlled amounts of food. And even though they don't feel hungry, and even though they don't want it, if they want to recover, they have to start eating. If you want to be hungry, you have to eat. In Luke chapter 1, verse 53, Mary sings the Magnificat, and she is overwhelmed. She's overwhelmed with what God is doing in her life, and she says, He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. Look, when I start to seek for God to fill me, He is faithful to do it. If I'm okay where I am, I become okay with being empty, and I limit how far I can go with God. When we have too much food and not enough hunger, we start pushing away the things of God because it doesn't line up to our tastes. If you're you're here today and you're like, man, I know I need to be hungry for God, but I'm not. If that's you, that's okay. you got to start somewhere, but you have to start eating. You have to start eating. If you want to get into a daily habit of reading the word and praying, you're not going to want to do it at first. You have to start eating. Eating. And when you start eating, when you start nourishing your soul, then you're going to start becoming hungry. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Just get a taste of his presence. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, there's this incredible story of David running for his life from Saul. And David comes to the temple and he goes in and he says to the priest, I need, some, I need some food. Do you have any food here? I've got to have some food. And the priest says to David, he says, I don't have any ordinary food here. All I have is the bread of the presence. All I have is the bread of the presence. When we come to our high priest, Jesus Christ, and we say, I need something more. I'm not going to make it. I'm weak, and I'm slow, and I'm dead on my feet if you don't come through for me. Jesus says to us, I don't have any ordinary bread. All I have is the bread of the presence. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And if you eat from me, you'll never be hungry again. Jesus is there to fill our hunger. But the first thing we have to do is we have to recognize our hunger. We have to recognize our need for spiritual sustenance. Would you stand with me this morning? We want to be a church that is strong for battle. And being strong for battle means being hungry. It means filling ourselves with the word of God. It means pursuing the voice of God. It means pursuing the bread of life so that we can be strong enough to fight whatever comes our way. I want to let you know today that the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord and we have victory in Jesus Christ, but there is a battle to be fought. I want to encourage you today as we walk into this series, I want to encourage you to be hungry. This was one of my prayers this year. I began to pray, God, make me hungry for you because sometimes I don't feel hungry for God, but I have to keep, show up, keep showing up and keep eating anyway. Hey, this is Kelly, lead pastor of the Bridge International Church. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from the Bridge. If you'd like more information about the Bridge, or if you'd like to get in touch with us, visit us at thebridgeparis.com.